Want to work in strategy consulting for a top firm? LEK Consulting is hiring now across its U.S. offices. LEK works on exciting growth strategy projects for the world's top companies, serving almost every sector and industry vertical. At LEK, you'll work on fast-paced engagements in small project teams with some of the brightest minds in the industry. If you're looking for the ideal blend of meaningful work and a tight-knit culture, LEK may be the perfect fit for you. To learn about open roles and to apply, click the link in the show notes or go to lek.com. Welcome to Strategy Simplified, Season 7, Episode 18. Today, we're bringing you a McKinsey-style case interview. Leading this session is Carrie Holland, an ex-McKinsey, ex-Google interview coach from the Management Consulted team. The interviewee is an MD candidate from Harvard who's applying to McKinsey, Bain, and BCG. In the session, Carrie runs through a full case, complete with detailed feedback afterwards. If you're preparing for case interviews, Grab a pen and paper and follow along for maximum learnings. Now, let's get started. So our client today is Lincoln Green. Lincoln Green is a financial services company which offers commission-free trading of stocks, ETFs, and other financial assets through a des- designated user-friendly app. In its five years of operations, the company has risen to become one of the largest electronic trading platforms in the world and the biggest commission-free trading platform in the world with over 14 million users. Approximately 85% of Lincoln's users are millennials, those who are born between 1981 and 1996, so 1981 to 1996 are millennials. Millennials represent most of the company's revenues. Lincoln Green currently operates in the U.S. only, but it is considering an expansion to new markets after proof of concept and commercial success in in the U.S., and they have approached us for help. So the overall question for our case today is, how should Lincoln Green consider potential expansion, potential market expansion beyond the U.S.? I'll stop there and see if you have any questions for me. Sure. Awesome. So as I understand it, that's really the core question. How can we help them with properly considering how to expand to the right market um, with their current business? Uh, Just to make sure that we're both aligned, you just told me um, some of the important information. It sounds like our client is um, uh, uh, Lincoln Green, and they offer commission-free trading via an app, like a a phone app, um, and very large, grown to be one of the uh, largest uh, companies in the world, based in the U.S., mostly you know, a service millennials, 85%, as you said it, and they like to expand to a new market. Did I get the major facts right there? Did I miss anything? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Okay, perfect. That's what I wanted to make sure for now. I had, I do have some clarifying questions, but I, uh, I don't know if I should wait for that or ask it now. Um, you can ask your clarifying questions now. Sure. Um, one thing I want to understand is just kind of how they're thinking of uh, how they're measuring success and if they have any particular goals in mind with regards to that. My assumption is likely they're trying to you know, increase their revenue, uh, improve their profitability as they go forward. Are there any kind of specific goals and timelines they have looking forward to that that we need to make sure? Nothing specific that I know of. Okay, got it. 
And then the second thing I want to make sure my knowledge in this industry is relatively limited, but I'd love to kind of learn more about it and how they actually kind of make money in this in this business models they have. It, um, so is, do they make this mostly from like ad revenue in the app itself? Are there like transaction fees that go into the revenue? Do you mind kind of just educating me on how they make their money through this service? Um, well, I have limited information on um, their structure to date. Um, just to repeat something that I had mentioned is that they are the biggest commission-free trading platform um, to date. Okay. Got it. Okay. Sounds good. That's the main thing I wanted to clarify um, just to get a better understanding. Um, that's all I have for now. Great. So the first question is, um, what information would you want to collect in order to approach thinking about a potential new market expansion? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to just take a couple of minutes um, to structure my thoughts around this and then share them with you. Is that okay? Sure. With you? Yep. Perfect. Thank you. Welcome back to the show after this brief message. Maximize your chances of landing a top 10 consulting offer by joining Black Belt, Management Consultants' premium case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes expert resume and cover letter edits because case prep is only so good if you don't get that interview. And finally, it includes an exclusive group training session led by an ex-McKinsey consultant. Fun fact, 80% of Black Belt's land offers, which is why it's the world's most effective consulting prep program. If you're ready to quit wasting time in your prep process, join today. Limited seats remain for the July cohort of Black Belt. You can learn more and register at the link in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay. Um, a few things that I'm considering um, and looking at how to best approach this for our client. Uh, there's three main areas that I'd look at. One is any of the markets that we're considering. I'd like to understand kind of the... The, the the nature of the trading market, if you will. In other words, you know how many people are actually, you know, uh, from a size perspective, would be interested in engaging this type of trading. And in that, I'd want to um, make sure I assess the different factors in that. Secondly, look at within our client, Lincoln Green itself, to understand kind of what the potential is for them. And thirdly, um, uh, just understanding risks in making these moves, so that we can kind of um, understand which areas may be lowest risk to do this. Um, going back to my first area of looking at kind of the uh, the trading market, the stock trading market, if you will, um, it doesn't just have to be that they trade stocks in the kind of their own economy. I'm assuming this would allow that they would be able to trade stocks in the U.S. economy as well, but really understanding the size of the millennials within the area that we might be looking to expand to and how many of them would actually be interested in engaging this, um, kind of looking at information we have there, and and if if the millennial population is growing in that specific area or not. Secondly, looking at if there's any players already offering a service like this um, for stock trading in the area that we're going to. So what the competitive landscape is like. Um, and then lastly, understanding the preferences of our actual uh, customers wherever we go. How hard is it to acquire them? Second, And secondly, kind of what, what is their preferences and how they like to engage in trading and do we match those preferences? Um, secondly, looking at within our client, Lincoln Green itself. Really getting down into assessing the, the the revenues that they'd be able to gain um, by expanding to a certain market. Um, I think, given that they're commission free, 
trading. I believe that some a lot of the revenue might come from ads and sort of other sources of revenue that aren't directly related to the stock trading itself. Um, so we'd have to kind of look at the potential of that and then understand the costs as well. So what the initial investment and expansion is going to be, what the ongoing cost of it is going to be, and see if we operationally, if we expand it to another country, say, can we operationally handle that? Do they have the capability to handle that? And then lastly, looking at risks, I'd like to assess several risks, such as geopolitical risks, any regulatory risks, brand image, infrastructure risks as well. So those are kind of the main ways I'm thinking about it. All that being said, if you know, you're kind of aligned with that. I kind of first want to understand um, what are, if, if our client has some one or two candidates they'd like to assess for expansion and look at kind of um, the size and opportunity there um, in that market. Great. All right. So um, on that topic, um, after consideration of several optional markets, Lincoln Green has decided to shift its focus on the UK market as a prime candidate for expansion. So I'm going to give you a, a couple of facts and figures. So the first is the population of the UK is 68 million. That's 68 million. Of this population, 15, one five, so 15% are millennials, and only six of them, so 6% of millennials, have an investment portfolio. However, given the recent growth in investing awareness, this market is expected to grow at a rate of 24% per year over the next six years. 10% of millennials in the UK are living in poverty and Lincoln Finance considers them outside the available pool of customers. So the, I have a couple of questions for you, given this information. The first is, given the facts that I've just uh, laid out, what is the available market pool of millennials today? Sure. How many of them are currently managing a portfolio? And how many of them are expected to be in the UK in six years? Got it. So there's three separate things. Just to confirm, I want to make sure I got the right numbers. Um, 68 million is UAK population. That's 68. Uh, 15% are millennials. 6% have an investment portfolio. Expected to grow average yearly 24% uh, for the next six years. And 10% of those millennials are essentially out of scope. They're in poverty, so they wouldn't be a, um, a, you know part of our available market. And the three questions you have for me to answer, what are the available overall pool? How many currently have an investment portfolio? And what is the overall expected pool going to be in six years? Correct. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Well, so I'll start with the first question because I think logically makes sense. Let's kind of get the total addressable pool, if you will. So in order to do that, the approach that I would take for that is, is take the overall population, multiply it by the percent that um, that you had said are millennials, um, and then take out the percent that are in poverty. So the 10% that are in poverty. So in essence, I'd be doing 68 million times the 15%, because 15% of them are millennials, which gets me to 10.2 million millennials. Now, if 10% of them are removed from that, uh, I would get... I'm rounding a bit here, but I'm getting about 9.2 million millennials 
that would be non-poverty millennials. In other words, kind of our available pool of millennials in the UK. Um, does that sound uh, okay. sounds uh, reasonable to me? Um, is that fair? I'm with you. Okay, perfect. Um, and then in terms of the current portfolio, uh, current millennials that have a portfolio, that is 6% of the millennials have a portfolio. Now, I just want to confirm one thing. When you said 6% of millennials have a portfolio, that's 6% of all millennials, right? You're including like the poverty millennials in there as well? Correct. Correct. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to take the 10.2 million overall millennials in the UK and say 6% of that. So to which gives me 612,000 millennials who have a portfolio. I took the 10.2 million multiplied by 6% and I got uh, 612,000. Um uh you're still uh you're still following me is that right? Yeah. Make sure I'm clear. Okay, perfect. So that's the ones that have portfolio. And then lastly, to understand how many would be in the pool in six years from now, I would have to take that, basically that compound annual growth rate that you gave me of 24% and do that over a six-year period of time. So I will take the 9.2 million, which is which I calculate as the current available pool of millennials. Is it okay for ease of calculation if I say that's 9 million? Oh, uh, sure. Keep it at 9.2. Okay, cool. It's okay. So, so 9 million. Um, and for six years, I'd have to continue to multiply it by 24%. Is it okay if I use 25% given that it's an easier calculation? Sure. Okay. So. In one year, I would expect that to grow to. 11.2 million and then in the second year i expect that to grow to about 14 million and then in the third year i expect that to grow to Seven, about 17 and a half million. Okay, and walk and me I'm just through doing how, that. Yeah, walk me through yeah. how you got that. Yeah, I'm just doing that sequentially um, because it's the best way I have right now of doing the compound annual growth. So I went from 9 million. I essentially uh, took uh, like a 20, a quarter, about a quarter of that and added it back so to get a 25% growth in the next year. So I got 11.2 million after one year. And then from there, sorry. So to make this easier, I see I see where you are. To make this easier, let's just start instead of with the um, the total number of millennials who uh, would be the target market. Let's just use uh, the the current active. We can start with the current active number of portfolio managing millennials. So I believe you calculated that a oh, bit ago. I see. I see. You want me to start with the six hundred and twelve thousand that are portfolio, and what? what they would be expanding to in six years. Correct, correct. Oh, okay, I misunderstood that. I, I totally thought when we were talking about um, the growth, that it was growth of the overall millennial pool. Okay, got it. Um, 
So let me then go back to 600. I'll start with 612,000. And is it okay if I start with 600,000 as easy of calculation? That is okay. fine. So if I do 600,000, I'm going to go sequentially and see how much if it grows at 25% each year, essentially. So in the first year, that would grow to 750,000. In the second year, that grows to about 940,000. And I'm rounding a little bit here. And then in the third year, that'll grow to about 1.2 million. In the fourth year, we're up to 1.5 million. About 1.9 million in the fifth year. And then finally for the sixth year, getting, getting about 2.3 million. So I would say by year six, we would grow to about 2.3 million people in the UK that have an active investment portfolio out of the millennials, I should say. Um, were you able to follow that? I was. Okay, perfect. Um, and I think that's very encouraging. You know, 25% growth every year for the next six years is um, uh, very encouraging. Even though currently only a small percentage of the millennials own investment portfolio, I think this is very encouraging for the level of interest that folks are having every year and what we could reasonably capture. So I think that what I would do next is kind of understand what share of this market that our client could reasonably capture if they entered it. Got it. So uh, in going back to our client, Lincoln Green, they let us know that they aim to have 3 million customers in the UK in six years. So six years from now, they hope to have 3 million customers. Um, given this difference, what are some potential ways it can attain this goal? Sure. Um, and it sounds like because they would, based on our calculations, they would fall short of um, what we calculated would be the total number of millennials that would have a portfolio in six years. So I think um, I'll, I'll take a minute, if you don't mind, just to come up with ways we could help kind of encourage more millennials to um, engage in this. Okay, so um, there's a couple ways that I'm thinking about this. One, they can kind of uh, work on education, so educating people on the value of investing. And second is finding out ways to incentivize millennials. So one, in going into educating, perhaps they can have a, a way to educate uh, or spread the message on the positive value of investing or engaging in kind of investing ETFs or stocks. And one thing they can do is perhaps have some testimonials from the success they've had in the U.S., you know, folks actually talking to this, whether it's influencers or just regular everyday people. And second is showing data. 
data on, you know, what the average growth of ETFs has been, even for me, when I look at, you know, when I finally started understanding that, you know, investing in ETFs would be good, it was for me seeing, you know, the last 10 or 12 years, what the average growth, the rate and return of ETFs are in the market. So just letting them know it's relatively safe and not the, as risky as they might think. And secondly, looking at incentivizing, perhaps they can do promotions. Hey, if you sign up, we'll give you like five free stocks. Um, and, or we could they do some sort of partnerships with uh, current companies or financial companies. And two, they can maybe use some influencers through social media to really help um, do some affiliate marketing and things of that nature. So those are coming with some of the initial ideas um, that I'm thinking about. Uh, okay. Right off the bat. Uh, what else? Um, I think that um, another thing they can do um, in terms of just going into kind of uh, uh, strategically marketing, um, I think they can target where millennials work in the UK. You know, they probably work in, you know, my crowd generally works in, there's a lot of folks working in tech companies, and, you know, and maybe even millennials that are in schools, even you can start in colleges and actually go and advertise, have people go on campus in colleges or go into work, have a session, like a one hour session at work where our, our client goes in and educates them on the value of investing. So that could perhaps uh, work in some of targeted millennial advertising. All right. So I've got four things. I've got, um, I've got that they can have partnerships that they remind me your first idea again. Uh, so I started with the educate. So I, I had testimonials. Okay. Um, I had actual data. So, uh, approaching it from a subjective and an objective yep. way. And then, um, and then I went to, yeah, in, when, it, when it comes to incentivizing people. So like actually uh, uh, partnerships um, to, to market uh, promotions. Um, and then uh, different ways of advertising. So whether you do influencers or targeted through businesses and colleges and things of that nature. Okay. Um, and so given all of this that we've discussed, uh, what would your overall recommendation, uh, recommendation be? Sure. Um, I just want to jot down my notes real quick and then um, share my recommendation with you. Okay, so, uh, you know, we were asked to come in to advise our client on how to consider prop, uh, expanding into a, a market that would be advantageous to them uh, for their uh, services. Uh, we believe that the UK market is a highly encouraging market for them to expand to. Um, and the reasons are because, uh, one, uh, we believe that based on just the current growth rate and uh, millennials that are interested in um, investment, believe they can grow in six years to about 2.3 million millennials that are interested in investment. But on top of that, there's an overall pool of millennials 
revenues of about 9.2 million. So a lot that we can do in terms of actually increasing uh, the number of millennials that invest and in, in, in a way increasing our opportunity in the UK. So we believe, especially with that growth rate, it was very um, encouraging. And we believe we can use with our success rate and um, as a company, our brand and image, we can use uh, many other uh, um, uh, avenues such as partnerships, uh, promotions, uh, uh, testimonials from our uh, from the US, et cetera. Some risks we believe uh, we need to uh, we need to make sure we manage and address are uh, maybe geopolitical risks as well as regulatory risks. We're unsure the market in the UA is likely uh, different than the market in the US, so kind of address those kind of risks. And then lastly, in terms of next steps, I just want to make sure that we do um, our more due diligence in the financial implications of this for um, LinkedIn Green from a revenue and cost standpoint. Great. All right. Um, that was a. It packed a punch. It was a, a quicker case. Uh, how did that feel? Uh, uncomfortable, I have to be honest. Uh, I'm not very good at financial stuff. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, and, and that's actually, so I'm glad you did that um, because uh, it, it's good for me to go outside my comfort zone. So I, I felt like my ideas maybe were a little dry in that sense, like my creativity was maybe a little bit dry. Um, but overall, I thought I thought like at least the, the dynamic between you and me was good. Um, that uh, in that way, the conversation was good. So that's that was my initial thought on that. But would love to hear your feedback. Great. Um, so of course, a case is uh, is testing you on many components, and we're going to go through the core, the three core components where you're tested. Um, beyond in those those three core components, as you already know, are your your framework, your analytical thinking, your abil- your ability to uh, show structure. Two, your quantitative thinking, so your ability to um, navigate numbers, have a feel for the numbers, um, show uh, comfort with calculations. And then three, your conceptual problem solving, so your ability to ideate, to brainstorm, um, to move through ambiguous ideas. Beyond that, there I would say were uh, there are two other things that are kind of soft being tested through a case, and that would be a just structured communication throughout, um, not being too long winded. I have interviewed a number of people who talk too much and just run out of time to move through the case. So I thought you did a great job there. Um, and then the other is just grace under pressure. So there will be times um, where you're feeling uncomfortable in the hot seat. I assume that you were feeling that way, especially during the math pr- question. Um, and you, you know, demonstrated a, a good amount of grace under pressure, not getting uh, flustered or frustrated. Um, so I have, I'm going to go chronologically, but um, sure. Remind me, I have uh, a story about the math related to my own McKinsey interview. If I forget to uh, to okay. tell you when I give you feedback, I would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so the first is um, just going chronologically. Um, when it came to the recap, the recap is one of the first opportunities you have to demonstrate succinct communication. So, not repeating back the entire case, just like the key, um, the key bullet points. I thought that you did a really good, uh, a really good job doing that. Um, one assumption. This is a nit. One assumption you made. You said um, so. The question is, what other markets we can consider for expansion given our current business model? I have, in fact, at McKinsey done studies where we consider new markets for expansion and consider new products or new adjacencies for expansion. So I wouldn't assume it. It's a fair assumption here, but just a nit. Um, but overall, had a really good, um, a really good wrap up. Your clarifying questions um, were right on the money. So typically, clarifying questions, as you probably know, you want to use them to do a couple of things. One, just like understand like 
understand the fundamentals of the business. So, um, okay, so you, what do they exactly sell again? Which products? And how, just to make sure I understand, I'm assuming they make money this way. Uh, is, is there any more information about that? Again, just the not trying to get into data, just trying to really understand the fundamentals, how the business works. Um, the second thing that you're going to want to do, you didn't do it here. That's not a bad thing. It's, it's for you is, uh, to clarify any definitions that you may not know. Um, you know, I've done many projects that involved words that I had never heard of before I started the project at McKinsey. And so, um, certainly if you were coming in and you said, you know what? I actually don't know what an ETF is. Um, can you, you know, can you explain, let me know what that is very briefly? Like that would be okay. Um, and then the third thing, which you did was just hitting on the objective. And you can say really two things. Like one, I understand this to be the potential objectives or this to be the potential objective. Is there anything else such as X, Y, Z, or is there a particular time frame that we are looking for? Which again, you, you did well. Um, really this time is for you. Um, really the only watch out is not to be too verbose, which you were not. You're great. Uh, okay, so we jump into the math, and I have a lot of feelings here. Um, so a, a couple of things. First, uh, uh, as much as I love Management Consulted, and uh, they were instrumental in helping me get my McKinsey offer, um, I would say that this math is a smidge more challenging than what I have seen in actual interviews, um, but it's better that way than than the other way. Uh, I would say two things, um, and this is where my, my story comes in. Number one, if the math is starting to seem or feel like what I like to call monkey math, or just you're starting to get into some really gnarly numbers, I would say that's like a watch out typically because they're not interested in you figuring out like how to do a compound growth rate. So in this particular case, and I'm going to give a much more detailed feedback on the math, but in this particular case, the shortcut for you to figure out what um, the number of year users would be after six years is the rule, the rule of 72. So if you take 72 divided by a fixed growth rate, that tells you the number of years that something will double. In this case, 72 divided by 24 is three. So you know that it's, that the market is going to be 4x the size of what it is today in six years. Now that's just, that's just a, a funny, funny thing here. So I would say like your watch out is like, huh, this is like really kind of getting into the weeds and you can even stop and say to your interviewer. So here's my funny story on that. When I had my final round at McKinsey, I was unsurprisingly very nervous and I got into a growth rate question. I do not know that I forget the specifics beyond that. And I started setting up the calculation and I just got stuck. I got stuck. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't figure out what to do. And so I said, okay, I know they're testing me on structure. I have nothing to lose here. I'm just going to like let her know. And I said, here's my structure. Here's my approach. Here's where I'm getting stuck. And I communicated to her, like, if this is the place where I'm getting stuck, I think I should do this, but it doesn't sound right to me. And I just wanted to gut check that with you. And she said, actually, just do this instead of this. And I moved right past the case. So, um, you know, not saying that that is like part of, part of every interviewer, but, um, a, if something seems a little too funky, it probably is. And B, if you're like really, really getting down to the weeds, like you're allowed once to ask for help. Now, if your interviewers get together and all of them say, huh, but that got needed help during the math, like that would be a red flag. But you know, if something's getting a little funky, that's, um, that's, that was at least so, my experience. 
So would the better thing have been, and actually, I'm glad you told me that formula, never knew. That's a good learning opportunity for me. So just to clarify, it sounds like 72 divided by the growth rate or the growth percentage is the time it takes to double, essentially, right? So in this case, 72 divided by the 24% would equal three. That's how many years it would take to double the, 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 the kind of uh, pool. Correct. But it has to be a fixed growth rate. So if I told you it's growing 24% in year one, 8% in year two, then it doesn't, you throw it out the window. It doesn't work. Okay. Okay. And so in this case, the best way for me to have done it is be like, Hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my compound annual growth rate or whatever calculation this way. I'm going to do year by year and run it by you. Then maybe you would have been like, no, 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 you should do 72 divided by the, you know, the growth rate. That is a beautiful transition, Vivek. So this is my, it's not mine, it was taught to me, um, kind of math steps. So something that I love and that made me so much more comfortable with casing is that, you know, when I found out two things, like, yes, I need to show my ability to brainstorm and my ability to move through quantitative calculations, but it's really also about being structured and being able to get glean insights from each area of the case. So um, I just realized I just skipped over your framework. So we've got to go back to that. But um, okay. but in this particular case, you started out well. You said, so step one is you just repeat the facts. You will be shocked at how many people mishear numbers, especially on a Zoom. Um, so step one, always just repeat the facts and the objective. Step two is tell me what you're going to do in words only. All right, so the first thing I'm going to do is answer question one. That's easy. It's, you know, population multiplied by X percent, blah. The second calculation, very straightforward. The third calculation, you say, all right, so in words, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this number. So I'm going to take the the number of active portfolio, and then I'm going to multiply it um, times that, you know, I'm going to apply the growth rate each year. And so I'm going to calculate a new growth each year. Does that sound good to you? And if your interviewer is feeling generous they may say, hey, you know, there's actually, you know, can you think of a faster way? Or they may just say, yes, that's, that's okay. Um, and then the third thing that I would do is I would kind of, I would lay out the variables. So almost like think that you're building your Excel model. All right, so I've got number of active portfolio managers times, um, you know, th- this particular growth rate, and then I'm gonna do this six more times. You plug in the numbers and then you get your answer. And then you stop and you kind of look at that answer and you think, where can I turn this into a percentage? And what are some of the early implications that that number tells me? So in terms of market entry, a great way to think about this would be, what does it denote in terms of market share? And so if I were to be looking at this case now, you know, I'm on the other side of three years at McKinsey, so I've got a, a, an advantage. But if I were uh, looking at this case and I said, okay, so after six years, we would expect the number to be 2.5 million. Huh. Okay. So given the current population of the UK today, that would expect us to roughly have share within, um, you know, a little over one in 30 people in the country. That could be doable, but I don't even know what it sounds like it could be a bit challenging, especially given that it would be new market entry. I would also just want to understand what is our current market share in the US, given that that's our home base. That would help help us provide a comparison point against our potential market share uh, ambitions. And in fact, and another way to think about this is the next question, and I promise we'll get back to your framework. 
Uh, the next question, Lincoln Green Investments aims to have 3 million customers in the UK. What are potential ways it can gain attain this goal? It is completely okay to start this by saying 3 million. Wow, I, I'm, that's challenging. Just right off the bat, I think that that might be really difficult because, again, that would be around one in 25 consumers. That might be difficult to get, especially just right off the bat. Um, so given some of these challenges, here are a couple of ways that I'm thinking about it. Option A, and this is the approach you took in your conceptual problem solving. You were just focused on expanding the millennial segment and you can do that. Option A is, you know, figure out how to maximize our potential within the millennial segment and give some of the ideas you gave. Option B is to move into new segments. So think, can we go into the Gen Z segment or into the boomer segment? Are there existing relationships that... Um, that we would have with those consumers. Now, something that I just mentioned in the math piece is that after you finish your calculations, you're going to want to step back and say, what does this number mean to me? Again, if the CEO were to walk in right now and I've calculated this number, what would I tell him? And you'd be surprised. There are a number of people who I interview and they, you know, do their calculation and they come up and they say, okay, the answer is 1.5. And like, really like, so what, you know, I'm never going to like go to a CEO and just say this like one number. I want to say like, what are the implications of that? The same goes for your brainstorming. So it's not just enough for you to, um, for you to have particular answers it's also for you to kind of go the next level deeper to talk about some of the implications of your answers. And in fact, that's really how a lot of these firms are thinking about it is the, the phrase is, can you produce second or third level insights or second or third order insights? Um, also a hygiene piece with your uh, conceptual problem solving is uh, typically you want to achieve four. Uh, so you heard me when you were brainstorming, I listed out your answers and then I was like, what else? Uh, if a, if an interviewer is feeling especially spicy that they, they will really just stare at you and say, what else, what else, what else? Um, the, in order to kind of get ahead of this, you minimum four, you really want to push for five. And by the way, you don't need to have five like amazing, ready to go ideas. You can say, and this is one way to show good business judgment. You can say, so achieving 3 million customers in the UK six years from now, that seems like a pretty lofty goal. I've got a couple of ideas here ranging from most impactful to least impactful. Uh, and then also kind of like a uh, safe bet to a little bit crazy. So here are a couple of ideas and I'm going to plot them uh, along this two by two. You don't need to do a two by two, but it's like a way to organize your ideas. Um, you know, so the first is we want to deepen our, uh, our engagement with our current customers. Um, and can we do this, you know, through engaging our current customer base through, through thinking about friends, referrals, whatever. Second thing I want to do is I want to think about, um, really working with existing partnerships, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the third thing I want to look at is thinking about different shoulder segments. So could I go into millennials or could I go into um, could I go into boomers? The other thing I want to think about is, is there potentially a shoulder product that's close to my product that would be feasible to launch that would address some of these other consumers who would not be our target consumer given our product suite today? Now, of all of those that I've mentioned, some of these are going to be um, no regrets and quick wins. And some of these are going to be more challenging. For example, the last one that I just mentioned could be very impactful, but I would think that would be very challenging. Going after boomers or Gen Z 
could be really difficult because it would require a lot of resources. Um, whereas thinking about referral bonuses among our existing consumer base would be low effort and would also leverage existing customers and capabilities. All right, so you're just going like one level deeper to give some color and some some thought behind that. Okay, so like ranking your ideas almost in terms of like what makes most sense. And um, I don't think I've ever heard somebody rank ideas. You do not need to do that. It's just showing like, it's showing yeah. some thought. Like there's yeah. a case that I give often that talks about the difficulties of the UK market. And so some yeah. people say, you know, given these difficulties, I think that we should enter France. And it's like, that's not a wrong answer, but it's a lot better to say, I think we should enter France. It's a large and similar market. However, that's extremely difficult and may not be possible. Right. So it's just adding some, a little bit more depth into your particular answer. Okay. All right. Uh, I got excited and I skipped your framework. So let's go back to that. And then I think um, that will open us up to um, some audience questions after that. So um, you, Got to your framework, and overall, I thought it was a good framework. Again, here's my push for you. Your framework, like, thinking about framework score, I would say that there is, like, the food, water, shelter framework. There are, like, the obvious things that most people get, like the big buckets. The next place you can go in terms of skill or a a better answer is um, the depth of some of your sub buckets. So that information you want to look at within your larger buckets. And then if you really want to get a gold star, you start kind of piecing together some of the trends between those buckets. It's still me see there's still distinct pieces of, of information that you want to look, but you're starting to put the links together. So in this particular case, and let's, I work in financial services, so I've got a leg up. Right. But a couple of things that um, that you could do. So first you said, I want to look at the market uh, and I want to look at their size. I want to look at their growth and I want to look at their trends. So I want to understand their headwinds and tailwinds. What have been some of the more um, what have been some of the more popular, um, you know, or really what have been some of the tailwinds in in that particular market today, be it around regulation or be it around consumer uh, behavior, be it around um, spending power and just disposable income. The other thing, and this is a, a, a bit of a miss, is like, I want to understand the market in terms of their fragmentation. So just to bring it to a real world, real world here, think about the cereal aisle in any grocery store that's incredibly consolidated, very challenging for some French cereal maker to come in. Um, you know, we would think about a similar thing there, like how fragmented is this market? Is it easy to enter? Are there big winners who we would have to be um, taking on? You talked about uh, the client. You talked about the risk. Um, one thing I would have gone a little bit deeper with the customer. So I would have said, you know, I want to look at consumers. I want to look at, you mentioned preferences. I would, before that, I would say like, You mentioned millennials, but within millennials, like what are the big segments? What are their core needs? And a big thing you want to do throughout this is say like, how does this compare? Sometimes you're comparing over time. In this case, you would be comparing um, by geography. So, you know, who are the big customer segments? What is their willingness to pay if that applies? What are the different products that they're looking for? And how does that compare to the U.S.? For example, I know that consumers in the U.S. have been really interested in crypto um, and other you know, components as part of their, um, their investment platform. Is that also, is that part of our 
um, product suite? And is that also something that consumers in other markets would want? Does our product set match their their consideration? Um, and then you can start to think through like, um, how do some of the market forces relate to different consumers? So again, starting to piece together some of the components from uh, distinct parts of your framework. Yeah, it makes sense. I I have a like a lot of these things you said like make complete sense. And when I think of all of these things, sometimes I get the one thing I get limited by is knowing what I should say now versus say for later, because I can't like spend five or, you know, a long time saying the framework. So like, I don't want to like expand on my framework too much, just like get by it in like, I don't know, two minutes is the goal I have for myself. And then like, if they want to jump into one area specifically, I have it in my mind to do. Do you think is that that's, that's a fair like technique or do you think you should just kind of at least delve into one part of it? So the timing for candidates was also, um, I, thank you. Yes, we'll go to Q&A in a second. So the timing for the framework is really for you writing down the framework. In terms of explanation, I think that taking about two minutes is fine. Think about it this way. Think about where you want to get an A. So I'm not suggesting that you take every piece of your framework and you like, you know, expound on some of the questions. Just pick a couple of these. Um, I want to know the market. I want to understand the size, the growth, the headwinds, the tailwinds, the regulation. I want to understand the players in the market. How fragmented is it? How have they been adapting to some of the market tailwind, headwinds and tailwinds? And how will the player set change over time as some market forces continue to impact the player space? That could be an example. Next, I want to look at okay. customers. Blah, blah, blah. So, okay. um, yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Thank you. That helped a lot, actually. No, thank you. Uh, well done. Yeah, overall impression, do you think? uh like uh average good bad just kind of wanted to get your sense on so you probably so you did you exhibited a ton of structure across right and like your math oh one thing ask for permission to round because it's not always okay your math was good especially given that you uh you know were taking a route where you're having to whack some some bushes and branches um I would say really think for that next level, like trying to think about the so what and like bringing some depth to some of your thoughts across the framework, the math and the brainstorming. It was there. I'm just pushing you to do that. That will go. That will take you from, you know, good to great. Thanks for listening to another case walkthrough episode. We run these sessions live each month. So make sure you are on our email list to be notified about future sessions. As always, if you liked what you heard, leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, make sure to shoot us an email to let us know for a chance to win a free consulting prep course. The email is podcast at managementconsulted.com. We appreciate your continued support of Strategy Simplified. Stay amazing, and we'll catch you again next week.